So we have our, our fourth conference tonight. Moving on to really, again, focus on the mystery of Joseph's life, really the hidden life Nazareth. We know that Jesus was there, obedient to Joseph and Mary, Joseph working in his workshop, and we have reflected on, I'm sure many times, the simple joys of the Holy Family. But I don't want to talk about those things today, but instead the overall hiddenness of St. Joseph. There's an aspect, I think, that we can connect to his silence. And even though we have him at the beginning of the Gospels, he's always sort of in the background, although he is a major player. Joseph tends to let Jesus and Mary take center stage. And then at some point, as we'll see, he just kind of disappears. And so from that, I want to look at the meaning of hiddenness in our own lives, and particularly also that distinction between hiddenness and being hidden for. We'll get into that a little bit later. I don't really know what the title for St. Joseph would be here. Look at provider, son of God, model for workers, cornerstone of family life. But really, if you look at it, the the hiddenness of St. Joseph is something that people have talked about before, but he doesn't have one of the the titles there. So I thought we might come up with a new one, maybe Hidden Refuge. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that might mean. So let's just look a little bit at the testimony of Scripture to the hiddenness of St. Joseph. Now, in the Old Testament, we have Joseph, who was the predecessor, of course, the one sold into slavery, and technically hidden in Egypt for many years. In fact, when his brothers came, they didn't even recognize him. But we know this is all part of God's plan to be able to provide for Israel. But Joseph didn't know it at a time. The brothers didn't know it at the time. God was saving him by removing him from the situation to be able to bring him forth, to unsheathe him, as it were, at the proper time. So in the same sense, you're going to see the theme of hiddenness in Joseph's life, the husband of Mary. It's hiddenness that never really speaks, Um, and he, as I said, you know, was always there kind of working behind the scenes. I think it's probably better. Mary and Jesus, center stage, St. Joseph behind the scenes. It's not like he's hidden and just taking a nap. He is working diligently. We just don't see him. And the early Christian art and the depictions of the Holy Family and the Nativity, St. Joseph is often not even there because they didn't want any confusion as as Christianity was being disseminated amongst these pagan cultures that somehow that Joseph was part of the picture as to distort the virgin birth of Jesus. And so let's look at some examples, though, from Joseph's life. And the first one actually comes from the, the book that some of you may be aware of. 
It's another book that was written uh, over the course, I think, of the past year. You may have copies of it over here. Uh, Through the Heart of St. Joseph. Do you all have that? It's by Father Boniface Hicks, who's a Benedictine priest, and he writes some really wonderful stuff. And he has another great book on St. Joseph. And he talks about um, how God the Father, for all eternity, hid the secret of his Trinitarian nature. He hid the secret that he was Son and Spirit. The first person that this nature was shared with, or particularly the reality the Son was shared with, was with Mary. So this beautiful passage that Father Boniface writes, altogether this gives us the image of a God who holds a precious secret, namely his only begotten Son. He holds that secret close to his heart and his bosom. He cherishes and loves that secret in a divine way, in fact, in a divine person whom we name the Holy Spirit. And in the fullness of time, he finally lets one person in on that secret. With her permission, he shared his secret and entrusted his son from his bosom into a new humanity in her womb. That's a beautiful way of putting the revelation of the Son of God and the Trinitarian nature of God. And then Mary took that secret and then revealed it to Joseph. So Joseph was the second one. And he, too, kept that secret of the true nature of Jesus very close to his heart, not going and publicizing it to everyone. We saw in the nativity, the hiddenness there, in the stable, in, in, the, in the back of the house where no one can see. Probably the biggest um, example of Joseph's hiddenness was the flight into Egypt. Again, he is being hidden there with Mary and with Jesus in order to be kept safe and protected. It's not, this is not necessarily a matter of the hiddenness of humility, as important as it is, but he is, they are being protected and he is their protector. And then, of course, he returns to Nazareth for 30 years to be the foster father of Jesus. Pope Francis, in his letter, Patris Corde, uh, refers to another author who refers to Joseph as the shadow of the father. So he is casting the shadow, the image of the father, for his son as he grows up. But I think you could also say that Joseph is hidden there in the shadows. And so he blends in with the other guys. The Holy Family blends in. There's nothing too special about them. Remember, when the crowds start hearing Jesus preach, they said, who is this guy? Isn't he? We know him. We know his, he's Joseph the carpenter's son. So it shows us they live an ordinary life. They're, they're undercover. There's nothing spectacular here. And God kept them hidden. If any of you have the Magnificat, today they had Car, uh, the Archbishop uh, Jacques Bousset, who is a bishop from France in the 18th century, I believe, and they had a whole meditation. You know how they have the meditation after Mass? And it was all about the hiddenness of St. Joseph. And so there was one passage that really jumped out at me. He says, Joseph accomplished his mission, for just as the apostles were the ministers of Jesus Christ revealed, so Joseph was the minister and the companion of his hidden life. So Joseph was there, ministering to, accompanying Jesus during that time. But this is sort of the reflection that I had on this. So here's Joseph. 
He is the foster father of the Son of God. He is the guardian and protector of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And no one recognized him as that. But think of the expertise that Joseph would have had even after 10 or 15 years, 20 years of living with and raising Jesus. No one sought his opinion on how to raise kids. But you'd think if they'd have known, oh, Joseph, please tell me, how do you do this? He never published a book. He never said, I'm going to tell the whole world about my story. He, he didn't get a $3 million book deal. He didn't. The knowledge that he had, those experiences, not only how to raise Jesus, but all the stories. Can you imagine the book Joseph was, would have written about living with Mary? He probably said, it was pretty boring. They never did anything wrong. It was all of my fault. That's what he called. It's all my fault. But he never wrote a book. He didn't have a Twitter account. And when Joseph went into restaurants, not that he probably did, but no one sought his autograph. There was no publicity, no fame. He was completely hidden, although he had this wealth of knowledge that he could share with the world and a wealth of knowledge that we still don't really have access to. And then, all of a sudden, he disappears. Now, we have an old enough crowd here. I work with college students for 11 years, so this reference wouldn't work with them. I'm sure most of you remember the show Happy Days. All right, look at that. Yes. <laughs> so you remember the Cunningham family. There was Richie, the, the parents, and there was Richie and Joni, the Fonz. But what's interesting is some of you, I didn't, didn't know this because I, I watched it when I was a kid, but I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of it. I just remember when he jumped the shark. I remember that. The first two seasons, they had an older brother named Chuck Cunningham. How many of you remember that? Look at that. Some of that. Chuck Cunningham. But then at the start of the third season, he disappeared. He completely disappeared. And so this phenomena that they have in TV shows where a character is no longer there, they call it the Chuck Cunningham syndrome. <laughs> so they call it, because I'm sure it's happened in other TV shows. I'm just so excited that my, my pop culture reference is, sits with people. But I mention it, but basically it's the Joseph syndrome. He just disappeared. And he's this very important character, just gone. And so what, what does that mean? Here is the ultimate hiddenness of St. Joseph. We ultimately know that he dies, but he just fades in the background. And so now as Joseph begins to become more popular, even though he's really become more popular over the course of the whole history of the church, you could say that Joseph is God's secret weapon kept it hidden. I thought of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharp-edged sword, concealed me, shielded by his hand. He made me a sharpened arrow, and his quiver he hid me. And so now that hidden weapon that no one saw and the power of his intercession to protect the church, to, to be the terror of demons, he's the Lord's hidden weapon. And so, I think in our own lives, Joseph can teach us not only to work behind the scenes, 
but to actually love to work behind the scenes, to desire to be hidden. And it's something that I've been meditating on, and I'll be honest, for I've been a priest now for about 22 years, most of them uh, working in a parish as a pastor, but the past 11 years, I was in charge of one of the largest campus ministries in the nation. We had hundreds, thousands of kids that went through the whole the, the system, through the university my 11 years there. And even though Lafayette's not L.A., I could not go anywhere without people noticing me. So if I had to go work out at the health club, I'd go at 9 o'clock at night where I wouldn't get cornered to talk to people. I'd go in restaurants. People would want to talk to me. I felt like the Catholic celebrity. And so then I got moved to the seminary in New Orleans, and I basically live a monastic life. I go out sometimes and no one notices me. And so I've been reflecting a lot on Joseph. Of I just live now a kind of a hidden existence, and I kind of like it. I get more time for prayer, more time for intercession, these types of things. And so I've been reflecting a lot on Joseph's life because of that, and realizing that there is a connection between being hidden and learning to grow in humility. Humility. And so radical in our culture of social media and celebrity. Everybody wants to be a celebrity. I mean, you've got 12-year-old kids making millions of dollars on TikTok because they're influencers. Everyone wants that. But here we have Joseph teaching us the lesson along with Mary and Jesus to be hidden, to be unimportant, to be out of sight, to be working behind the scenes. And this is more than just introvert time. I'm a big fan of introvert time. But it's learning behind the scenes when you're not getting attention. You're being passed over. And again, here, maybe you have all these gifts and these talents you can share with the world. But the Lord is helping you grow to be poor in spirit, to be hidden, to be humble. So I thought, like, who, who besides Joseph and Mary are the most hidden? In two categories, we could probably say, are children... And the poor. Children are pretty unimportant. Remember, we say that the children should be seen, not heard. But quite often, kids aren't even seen. Go play in the back room. No one pays attention to kids. They're weak. They, they, don't, they don't influence the world. They don't produce anything. And then, of course, the poor. Particularly those who are lonely, rejected, abandoned. I think of the homeless on the streets. Most people walk by and never make eye contact. Those people have names. They have parents. It's the rich man and Lazarus, that story. Remember, we don't know the rich man's name, but we know Lazarus' name. We know the poor man's name. And so they're not influencers. They're often seen as nuisances. We're a culture and a society have no idea how to handle them. But we also have another category of people who are not hidden but who are hiding from, hiding from others, hiding from God. Those are the people that we kind of alluded to who are hiding in shame. So there's a big distinction between being hidden for God or hidden for some purpose and hiding from him. Again, Adam and Eve, hiding from God. Or sometimes we may have all of our mess and our imperfection and our wounds and we want to hide them from everybody. And so we put on the perfect face that everything's great. My life is wonderful. 
but inside you are a stinking mess. And so we talked about this, that need to be able to see the sacred, but to be able to see others. We all have that desire to be seen, known, and loved, something that Pope Francis has talked about in a number of places. In particular, kids want to be seen. They're gonna, they're gonna, if you're not paying attention to giving them attention, they're going to tug on your, your, your shirt. Pay attention to me. If you're too caught up on your phone, they're going to have some shenanigans to get your attention. And again, the poor, we need to see them. Mother Teresa saying that it's Jesus hidden in the distressing disguise because it's our vision that when we can see Christ in them, we see their value, is that we communicate the gaze, we mediate the gaze of the Father. But there's another dimension to hiddenness that I kind of alluded to that that I I want to bring up. So we learn, we're going to talk more about why and how we can desire hiddenness. And that is to hide something or someone from danger, to keep them safe, like the Holy Family in Egypt. There's so many passages. I, I was just looking for a couple. There are probably about 40 passages just in the Psalms talking about God as a shelter, a hiding place, a refuge. Psalm 32, 7, you are my shelter. You guard me from distress. With joyful shouts of deliverance, you surround me. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and our strength, the ever-present help in distress. All these different references that God is the shelter. He shelters us in the shade of his wings. And so whenever we feel vulnerable, we can go and hide in the wings and the shelter of God who is our fortress. But yet we see in Joseph and Mary, he acts to hide them. In the Old Testament, in the first book of Kings, chapter 17, he acts to hide Elijah from that crazy woman Jezebel who wants to kill him. Now, so they they hid him in the brook Sharif. In Revelation, the woman who's given birth, she is brought to the desert to be hidden from the dragon. And so, Joseph and Mary and Jesus were hidden from danger. But also, Joseph himself, and this is what I think is important, while he was hidden, was in his heart and his person a hiding place for Jesus and for Mary. That's why we call him the guardian of virgins and the defender of the Holy Family. He himself was a safe place, a refuge. So in in Father Hicks' book, he talks about the cloak of Joseph and how we can hide under Mary's mantle, that we can be safe in the refuge of Joseph's cloak, of Joseph's heart, the most chaste heart, that we can find refuge there. But also, when we talk about seeing others and loving others and receiving others, we in our own self, if we maintain that pure heart, can be a safe place and a refuge for others. And now we've got to ask ourselves, if we want to have a heart like Joseph, a heart like Mary, our hearts need to be, as Mary's heart was a refuge for sinners, our heart too, where we others know that they're not going to be judged. They're not going to be condemned. We've got their back. We're not going to betray them. 
And so often people come to us who, who've lost friends and who've lost families and broken hearts. Can we be that safe place that they know they can come to and trust us that we are not going to judge them? We're going to be merciful to them and keep them safe and defend them if we need. A very, very important thing that Joseph teaches us and gives us the opportunity to have to help hide others in our heart where they can be safe. But it's not just Joseph and Mary. There are plenty of saints who were hidden. The theme of hiddenness is all throughout Scripture. In the parables of Jesus, the hidden treasure in a field. It's the the pearl of great price that is hidden. To pray to our Father in secret. And Paul says in Colossians 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we are called to be hidden in Christ and his wounds. And some people take that very literally. Think of contemplative sisters, the cloistered sisters, and also the monks. Imagine all of these over the centuries, men and women who were hidden from the world. No one knows their name. They're completely forgotten, which is another aspect of what it means to be hidden, to be forgotten and not recognized. And they, in their own hearts, are that enclosed garden for the Lord. And why? Why is it that they they become cloistered? I really think that the Lord takes his most precious treasures and he hides them. He delights in them. I just had one of my students and directees become a cloistered Carmelite. And to think that because I'm a priest, I might get to see her once a year. I've had another one of my directees become a cloistered sister. She's in Italy. I went over, I had to go to Italy to see her. Um, but she prays all the time. She prays that I become holy and so that I suffer in order to become holy. <laughs> God listens to her prayers. So there, 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 that's that, that beauty of, of the hidden treasure of the church. But, but it's these, these individuals that are hidden, these hidden saints are, are unknown. They are ordinary. We don't even recognize them. And if you, Pope Francis talks about these saints. He talks about it in Gaudete et Exaltate, one of the letters he wrote, and he talks about the beauty of that ordinary life, that hidden life. He calls it middle-class holiness that most of us are going to be called to. We're not superstars. We're not prime number saints. But we find our holiness in the little things, in the daily life. And the things that no one else notices. And being patient with others. And being kind to our neighbor. Of serving those around us. We all have the opportunities to become saints in those ordinary ways. And we can have a big impact. And St. Therese is the one, one of my favorite sort of quotes or stories from her. She, she mentions that she was watching another one of the sisters light a candle. And she imagined that that small candle, it would be possible, she said, to set the whole earth on fire. And yet, the humble little lamp would remain the first cause of this conflagration. It is exactly the same in the community of the saints. 
A spark can generate great lights in the church, doctors and martyrs. Without our knowing it, we often owe the graces and lights we have received to some hidden soul. Because God wills that the saints dispense graces to one another through prayer so that they will love one another in heaven with a great love. How often I have thought that perhaps I owe all the graces I have received to some little soul who has prayed to God to give them to me and whom I shall not meet until I reach heaven. Think of that. These hidden souls that could have been centuries ago, but somehow in the divine scheme of things are praying for us that we receive graces because of their intercession. And we never even notice it. They're hidden. They're forgotten. And this is why Therese's little way is so important. It's to do the small things with great love, but it's to be able to acknowledge our own weakness and trust in God's mercy, but also to have a desire to be hidden. And if we can look at the writings of Therese, she mentions that a number of times. She says when reading the, the, the um, story of the soul, when reading the accounts of the patriotic deeds of Joan of Arc, I had a great desire to imitate them. Then I received one of the greatest graces in my life. I considered that I was born for glory, yet not to perform striking works, but to hide myself and practice virtue in such a way that the left hand knows not what the right hand is doing. And so, this is it. And she talks about Jesus as the hidden treasure. And to find the hidden thing, one must hide oneself. Our life must become a mystery. And so Therese is the the saint for the 21st century, the 20th of the 21st century, who encourages us all. You you don't have to have the stigmata and preach to 500,000 people. In the small, hidden ways, you can be a saint and have an impact. And Therese died. Granted, a few people knew how special she was, but most of the people in the convent didn't. It wasn't until her autobiography was published and it just exploded because Therese put to death a lot of those ideas that to be holy you had to, you know, torture yourself and suffer and God was there to judge you. She came to talk about a God who is mercy and love. But of course, with Joseph and Therese and these other saints, Mary, she is the ultimate hidden saint. And she, those who are devoted to her, devoted to Therese and devoted to Joseph, are ones that the Lord calls potentially to be very hidden and possibly even to be forgotten. And it's, it's something that I reflect on in this age of celebrity. Is God raising up a generation of ordinary saints? Of ones that, that desire hiddenness? Or that he says, I am hiding you. It could be for some greater purpose, but he's the one who has said, no, you belong to me. You're going to serve me in this way, and no one is going to notice. And Pope Francis, I'll read this. He says, I like to contemplate the holiness present in the patience of God's people and those parents who raise their children with immense love and those men and women who work hard to support their families and the sick 
an elderly religious who never lose their smile. In their daily perseverance, I see the holiness of the church militant. Very often it is a holiness found in our next-door neighbors, those who, living in our midst, reflect God's presence. We might call them the middle class of holiness. And so, it's all this holiness in our midst that God is asking us to be saints. And are we responding in that same way as Joseph did? I am willing to be hidden in order to be able to do the small things and to be able to love with great love. But the reason that, I guess in a certain sense, and I've alluded to this before, that hiddenness becomes such an important topic in Christianity because God is the most hidden. He is that great mystery hidden from all eternity. Isaiah 45, verse 15, Truly with you, God is hidden. In the Old Testament, he would hide in the Shekinah cloud. Finally, after all the centuries, he was revealed fully in Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son of God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. He's that mystery that is revealed to us. And within our own Catholic faith, there's so much mystery and hiddenness. The most important is the gift of the Eucharist. There's Jesus in plain sight, but he's hidden under the appearances of bread and wine. It's not like the Holy Family. In plain sight, they were there. They were involved in the community at Nazareth, but no one noticed it. No one could see that they were special. And how often we neglect to see the mystery of the Eucharist. And our own lives, too. And this is where it becomes very difficult. God can seem hidden. You look at the world today and say, well, why is he stopping all this terrible tragedy? In our own lives, is God hiding? We don't feel him in our prayers. We need that faith. Faith which is not vision. Which is pressing through and believing even when we don't understand and knowing and really accepting the Lord is working behind the scenes. And so I'm going to give a lot of homework. I know this is sort of all over the place because it's something that I've been meditating on and haven't been able to really put together well efficiently, but I think the basic message got across. The first thing for homework is what are ways that maybe we're looking for attention in unhealthy ways? where we are trying to put ourselves or our faith on display. I'm not saying that some people are not going to need to do that. It's going to be the call to the mission of some, but whenever we can maybe analyze our hearts and say, eh, I'm doing it for my own attention rather than the glory of God. Also, I think the big thing is, just until tomorrow, is to pray for hiddenness. Lord, I I want to serve you And I don't want to be recognized for it. I want to be able to go into a restaurant and people not come and talk to me. I just want to be able to eat my my pasta by myself. But I want to do it for your greater glory. And then also to pray, as we've been praying about the heart, to be a refuge for others. That others could come to us, particularly our spouses, our children, our friends, because they know that we're like Joseph. We are going to be that safe place to protect and to guide them. So we're going to let you all kind of wrap it up early tonight. 
go to bed early um, and just kind of hide away in your rooms. You can stay in the ch- church, pray until they. What time do y'all close the church? Nine o'clock or something. Um, but then sleep well, and we'll see tomorrow to wrap up our reflections. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, or without end. Amen.